0: chapter four of david Ransom's watch by pansy this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four dave lucy do you mean me to understand that you think the young man intends to marry you lucy's color deepened and spread she laughed nervously and turned her face quite away from the elder woman's for a moment it kind of takes my breath to hear it right plain she said at last we ain't got to it not to talking it straight out but of course i well he knows what he means and i do too for that matter ain't that enough no said miss stearns firmly it is not enough i must remind you that no self-respecting girl will receive kisses and caresses from a man who is not very closely related to her unless he is the one whom she has promised to marry lucy's eyes blazed dangerously and all inclination to giggle went from her she even had a little touch of dignity which became her as she said i am a respectable girl miss stearns and come of a respectable family anybody who knew my folks back there in green township will tell you so and i don't let nobody hint at anything different i'm ready to promise to marry him fast enough and i'm willing to trust him my girl will you trust me and let me be your friend miss hannah's voice had grown strangely gentle do you mean that you are expecting mr ransom to ask you to marry him lucy plucked at her apron and her momentary flash of anger gone was visibly embarrassed but she replied firmly i do that ma'am since you ask me straight out and i've got reason i ain't the little fool you take me to be i s'pose i'm older than you guess i was nineteen last spring and it ain't the first time by a good deal that i've had gentlemen friends there was a fellow out to our place that would have give his two eyes to marry me and he was a nice boy too but i wouldn't a had him if he was the last man living and i let him know it though he hadn't talked half so plain as mr ransom has i know how to take care of myself and the fellows that have tried to make up to me found it out will you trust me lucy and tell me just what mr ransom has said to you i have very grave reasons for wanting to know lucy's eyes went to the floor and she gave once more that little embarrassed laugh i don't know as i could there's been lots of things but i couldn't say them all over to you you know it wouldn't be nice in me anyhow one thing he said a good while ago was that i must never let any other chap kiss me that he wouldn't stand it as if i ever would and one night when i was setting the table for your father and grandmother he came up unexpected and walked right through the porch window and said he knew about a little table that should be set for two one of these days, and he knew the names of the two who would be set down to it. And then... A lovely light came into Lucy's eyes, and her face took on a sudden resolve. I ain't going to tell anybody all the nice things he has said to make me understand. There ain't no reason for doing it, and I'm sorry I said as much as I have. I know he wouldn't like it i can trust him miss stearns and i don't want no help from anybody only him it was from such an interview that miss stearns had gone a few hours later to the parlor to meet her lover ben ransom left to himself in the large silent parlor had abundant opportunity for thought he had reached what was to him a surprising stage in his career all his days he had been in the habit of taking life easy and having his own way not that he believed the world had treated him well on the contrary he considered that his boyhood had been an especially hard one it had been spent on a rocky unproductive farm in the hill country of what in those days was the far west his father had been the owner of an equally rocky farm in new england and after growing utterly discouraged with his prospects had fallen into the clutches of a western speculator and been made to believe that the earth everywhere in that region yielded gold almost for the picking so he had emigrated when his two boys david and benjamin were aged respectively nineteen and two the stretch of years between them was spanned by a row of little graves that had been by far the hardest things to leave the west had not used them well at least so far as this world's goods are concerned the father who had been feeble in vermont did not improve as it had been hoped that he would by change of the climate and the growing son david had shouldered many burdens and worked beyond his strength it had been the habit of the household to call ben the baby long after he had outgrown the name and to shield him from all hardships it was when ben was seventeen and his brother david then just double his age looked almost like an old man that the father died and was followed within the year by the mother poor ben the neighbors said and petted and comforted him but the blow had not fallen so heavily on him as on his elder brother who had for so many years been accustomed to shielding and caring for his father and mother that he seemed for a while to have lost his chief motive for living ben had never taken kindly to farming he had declared more than once that he hated every separate stone of their ugly little farm and that he would rather be a ditch-digger at day's wages than to work any kind of a farm very little work had he ever done the three who lived for his sake having agreed that ben should be kept in school although truth to tell he seemed not much more fond of study than of work the sod on his mother's grave had not yet had time to take root when the boy informed his brother that he was going to dig out entirely from that part of the world as he rode away on horseback from the stearns farm that evening after having waited in the lonesome parlor for a full half hour in the hope that hannah would repent and return to him his thoughts went away back to that last evening he had spent in the little log cabin of his western home and the talk he had had with his brother david poor dave he said aloud and a sudden longing came to him to look once more on the rugged face of his tall stoop-shouldered brother poor dave it is a good while since i have seen him he must look like an old man by this time the sentence ended with a sigh ben ransom although he fully believed that his little tiff as he called it was a temporary affair felt curiously alone felt something as he had the evening after his mother was buried yet it was less than two weeks afterwards that he had told david good-bye a vision of his brother as he had been on that evening when they had their talk rose up before the young man it was brilliant moonlight even as it was at this moment and dave had stood at the south window looking out on two graves that showed distinctly in the near distance Looking and listening to his brother's plans. He could seem to hear his voice as well as see his face when, in his slow, grave way, he turned from the window and asked, Where are you going, Ben? Ben Ransom remembered that he had laughed a little as he replied that he hadn't got so far as that, except to be sure that it was somewhere in the east. He hated the west. He knew that much he should have gone off before this if it hadn't been for mother there had been a quality in david's voice in reply that had irritated him yet all he had said was it is well you didn't do that ben mother had it hard enough without anything more he remembered that his face had grown red and he had felt angry and had told himself that if dave thought because he was a few years the older he was going to stand any preaching from him, he would find himself mistaken. But David had not preached, although they both knew he could have said that the heaviest burdens his father and mother had had to bear during their later years were those created by their younger son. For Ben had been what the neighborhood in which he was reared called wild. The man on horseback laughed over the memory of the wildness of his early youth. What had he done but stay out late at night occasionally, sometimes even all night, and join with the fellows once in a while in their frolics? It had been all very innocent compared with some of the wildnesses of his later years. He laughed again, a laugh that had almost a sneer in it, as he thought of how some of his later scrapes would have shocked Dave, almost as much as they would Hannah Stearns dave always was a womanish kind of man but he made haste to tell himself that after all he had never done anything very dreadful on the whole he had contrived to be a pretty decent sort of fellow and was now in a fair way to become a respectful country gentleman with a good-sized bank account and many fertile acres of his own to manage provided he could succeed in restoring hannah stearns to her senses the Stearns farm was very unlike his father's poor little western hillside he frowned a little when he thought of the trouble he was in who would have supposed that that little fool of a lucy could here in his thoughts he broke off abruptly and returned to a more distant past for some reason his brother david persisted in being thought about though he had not been heard from in three years but that was not david's fault the younger brother remembered that he had received several letters since he wrote one though dave was not much at letter-writing but he was a good brother he did not preach on the evening of that last talk instead he said in his slow thoughtful way there is something i wanted to talk with you about ben i hadn't meant to do it yet but if you are thinking of plans maybe i better "'Margaret and I are talking about getting married before a great while. "'We've been thinking of that a long time, you know, "'and it doesn't seem best to wait much longer. "'Mother didn't want us to. "'She talked to us both about it that last afternoon.' "'The young man on horseback remembered that he had laughed a little as he replied, "'I should think you and Margaret had waited long enough. "'The wonder is that you haven't got tired of each other long ago.' i'm sure i should it had seemed to him that ever since he could remember his brother david had been engaged to margaret barrows who lived with her lame old father in a little cabin two miles away and kept the toll gate no david had said gravely we ain't tired of each other and what i wanted to say was that you are welcome here at home just as long as you choose to stay always if you say so it needn't make a mite of difference to you that i built the little house you are just as welcome to your own room as you ever were margaret feels so too and if you care to farm it with me why we'll go equal shares and not let the plans we made before make a mite of difference there isn't very much difference anyway and i being a good deal older than you it is no more than natural and right that i should help give you a start I believe that you and I can make a good living out of this farm, and have a little something left at the end of the year. We'll have quite a little nest egg to start with, you know. Ben had known all about it. He was a lad of thirteen when the old log cabin burned, and he perfectly understood that the new one was built chiefly by his brother David, and paid for with David's earnings with the understanding that it should be used by the father and mother so long as they needed it, and then should become David's own, the land to be divided equally between the two sons. He also understood perfectly about the nest egg, the snug little sum of seven hundred dollars that had accumulated in the bank during these later years. Every penny of it is David's, he had heard his father say more than once, if it hadn't been for his new ideas that worked there wouldn't have been a cent over we must plan so that david can keep it for his start in life and ben knew that it had been so planned yet here was david saying we instead of i and preparing to go halves even with the little four-roomed house he was glad to remember that although he had laughed at his brother's plans for making a farmer of him he had not sneered and he believed he had made dave understand that he considered him a thoroughly good unselfish fellow but he had also made it plain that to stay on the farm was no part of his intention i wasn't cut out for a farmer dave he had said i should help you make a failure of it a good deal quicker than you will do it without me i don't know anything about it you see "'While you have been digging and ploughing, I have been in school. "'I want to get away. "'I belong to New England atmosphere. "'I've always felt that, ever since I was old enough "'to understand Mother's talk about the old home. "'I shall not be happy until I get there. "'I'll tell you what, Dave. "'I see you want to be the good, honest, unselfish fellow "'that you always have been, and I'll show you how to do it "'and keep yourself at the same time.' If you will give me that nest egg for my share, you may have every foot of land on this old farm for your own. I'll sign off. all right write and title to it forever and ever. Of course, my half of the farm is worth more than $700, but I don't care. I can be generous once in a while as well as you. It wouldn't be worth it to me because I don't know how to manage it and don't want to. We should just go to ruin together but with seven hundred dollars in my pocket i'll risk but what i can make my way in the world and give you and margaret a lift now and then in the bargain he had believed every word he said and had felt magnanimous while he was saying them it is true he knew very well that during the years in which his father had owned the stony little hillside he could hardly have given it away had he tried BUT HE ALSO KNEW THAT HIS FATHER HAD BELIEVED THAT SOME TIME THE LITTLE TOWN NEAREST TO THE FARM WOULD GROW INTO A LARGE ONE, AND LAND WOULD BECOME VALUABLE. THE BOY OF SEVENTEEN, THINKING IT OVER, HAD TOLD HIMSELF THAT HE WAS THROWING AWAY WHAT MIGHT BE A GOOD MANY HUNDREDS IN THE FUTURE, BUT HE HAD WHISTLED AND SAID THAT HE DID NOT CARE, A BIRD IN THE HAND WAS WORTH TWO IN THE BUSH, AND HAD MADE HIS OFFER he remembered that he had felt a little hurt over his brother's long silence he had not realized then what he knew afterwards that the giving up of the nest-egg would necessitate another year's delay of the marriage and that to live through the long cold winter without any money at all would be hard he had realized nothing save that he was deliberately giving up all right and title to a number of acres of ground and his brother seemed actually to be hesitating over it. The gazer out of that moonlighted window had turned his eyes at last from the graves and fixed them full on his young brother as he said, Well, Ben, if you are sure that is what you want, why, I'll agree to it. And then he had drawn a heavy sigh. But that had probably been on account of those two graves. End of chapter four.